Psalms to God, Season 1, Episode 37. Forced love is not love. You can find the show notes for this episode at www.psalmstogod.com slash forced love. But if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves today, which will you worship? The gods your fathers worshipped beyond the Euphrates River? Or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living? As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, CSB. Welcome back to the Psalms to God podcast. Today I want to talk about trying to force people into loving God or following Christ or going to church or whatever the sum of that is. In the beginning, I read the verse from Joshua chapter 24 verse 15 that talks about making the decision for your household to follow God. And when you combine that with, for instance, the verse that says, train up a child in the way that they should go and they will never depart, you end up with situations where people become overzealous in policing God in their own house. And what I mean by that is countless kids are being forced to go to church by their parents. And there's this misconception that simply taking them to a building that they have mislabeled a church um, and forcing them to participate in whatever activities are there for the youth or whatever programs that are happening at the building on whatever services that magically they will suddenly develop a love for God and a relationship with God. Um, But really what you're doing is beating tradition into them. In fact, Well, I'm not going to get into that because that's for next season. But um, basically, what I've seen is that so many kids are just being pushed into a relationship, whether it is forcing them to get baptized, um, forcing them to, you know, attend Sabbath school or to attend services and things like that. And when I was growing up, I saw the same thing. Many of my cousins had to go to church. They had to be there. Um, You know, they got into the whole arguments. They didn't want to be there. And I was this oddball because my parents didn't make me go anywhere. Um, I could leave service whenever I wanted to because my parents didn't go and I lived across the street. Um, I didn't have to go. When I woke up, my parents were like, do you want to go? And if I wanted to go, I went. If I didn't, I didn't. And it's one of the best things that could have ever happened to my relationship with God because it's my relationship. I chose it and it was always left up to me and God. What my parents did was introduce me to him. They were like, oh, here, here's a Bible. This is what it is. This is who God is. And it's up to you to decide if you want to follow him or not follow him. And everything else was just about 
letting me find God. The thing is, forced love is not love. By nature, most people have some some semblance of stubbornness in them. I have a very large part stubbornness in me. And I guess maybe my parents recognized that from my birth. Um, and that's how they dictated how they would parent me. I'm thankful for that. Um, I was so stubborn. I did not want to come out the way you're supposed to come out. When you're born, there's a certain way that you're supposed to be facing. Obviously, you're supposed to be head first. And then you're either supposed to be like face down or face up. I don't know which one. Y'all, you can tell I've never had a baby, but whatever. You're supposed to be facing a certain direction. And I was facing the opposite direction. And the doctors came and they, they had to flip me over. So they took like some stuff and, you know, some tools and they reached up and flipped me over. And uh, I flipped myself back over. So they did it again. They flipped me back over. And I flipped myself back over. I was determined not to let them tell me which way I was coming into this world. And it got so bad that they were like, look, we're going to try this one more time. And if she flips herself back over, you're going to have to get a C-section. And so um, what eventually happened was the doctor flipped me over and basically held me there so I couldn't flip myself back over. And that is how my mom had to deliver me. It was a very long labor and I was just like not cooperative at all. Sorry, mom. But that stubbornness has never left. I was stubborn coming out. I am still stubborn. When I started my job, um, there were some ladies at my job who wanted me to go to the gym with them. And instead of them just being like, hey, we think it would be fun. You should come join us. We'd like your company, blah, blah, blah. They went to this whole spiel about how I had to go to the gym and how I had to do it. And it was um, important and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And my reaction was basically, I will never go in that gym. I have been working at this company for two and a half years and I have never been in this gym. Like it was just something, something happens in your brain and you're like, oh, you think you can tell me what I will and will not do and what I have to do? Oh, I'm going to show you. And then I'm just not going to do it. And it has nothing to do. It, it's just like, it's almost like just to spite you, I'm not going to do this. And it's not even, I'm no longer thinking about whether I want to go to the gym or don't want to go to the gym. It is simply, I will not go because you're not going to make me go. I have the right to do whatever I want to. So I'm going to choose to do the opposite of what you're telling me I have to do just to prove to you that I can do whatever I want to do. And, you know, I am a grown woman and I still have to, to check myself. Like, are you just being stubborn or you know, is this really your decision? Teenagers are even more so like this. When you try to force them to do something, they are going to rebel. I am so thankful that my parents did not set these hard line rules for me because who knows what I would have done during that age. But what happens is you stop processing what's good for you. You stop thinking about like, what is going to benefit me? How will I benefit from this situation? What can I learn from it? Do I want to be here? Do I want to engage? And you're just like, okay, so they want me to do this? Nope, I refuse. I will not comply. And when I teach Sabbath school, I teach the 13 to 15 year olds. 
And this is exactly what I see. They are angry because their parents have made them come to church. They have made them come to Sabbath school. They made them wear this dress or that dress or this suit or this tie or whatever. They've told them what they can and can't wear. They've made them do their hair this way or get this hair cut. They won't let them do this. They won't let them do that. They won't let them listen to this or see that or whatever. There's all these restrictions that they've been told. And then they come in and they're like, well, you can make me come here, but you cannot make me participate. You can't make me listen. You can't make me interested. And so that's the last bit of power that they have. And they're clinging to their own autonomy. That's the only autonomy they have. So, okay, I refuse to participate in class. And they sit there and they stare at me. Like, you're not going to make me listen because my parents already made me come here. And when I started teaching, you know, there were some other Sabbath school teachers. They were talking about it. And they were talking about how sometimes you have to go round the kids up. And I was like, I'm not going to make them come in the room. If they don't want to come in, that's fine. Sit outside. Enjoy the air. Enjoy the weather. That is not my job. I don't believe in forcing anybody into anything. If you want to be here, you'll be here. If not, don't. Like, I definitely am a believer that you have to find your relationship with God on your own. All I can do is help you if you so choose to be helped. And, you know, it's something that really weighs on my heart because now that I am an adult, I see a lot of the people who were forced to go to church that don't believe in God at all. One, the church generally is so far away from biblical truth and a biblical definition of a church that it's not surprising that people have been turned off by these buildings that we're incorrectly labeling a church. Um, and that's, you know, one of the things that I really want to dive into in season two. So look forward to season two. Um, but, you know, I it just hurts because I see it happening over and over again. You know, I had a coworker. He was raising his goddaughter and his goddaughter is not I'm not talking about like my age range of 13 to 15. This girl was like 19, 18, 19, like grown, could be living on her own if she had the financial capacity to do so. And, um, you know, there were certain things that she was doing that we who believe in the Bible would say are not godly behaviors. And he decided that to rectify this, he was going to force her to go to church. And I was trying to explain to him that this was going to backfire. I was like, this is going to be a horrible idea. One, she's going to resent you. Two, she's going to resent those people. Let's be real. Church people can be so rude. They can be so judgmental. I mean, just think about it. Have you ever been to a church where somebody comes in, they got tattoos, or they got like an interesting hairstyle, or they have like interesting piercings um, in the church that I go to, jewelry at all? Like, they be saying some extra stuff to people, and you're like, let these people live. Like, maybe they don't have the same convictions you do. Maybe they are at the beginning of their journey. Just let the people come and hear the word and be nice to them for a second. Like, how you gonna just come at somebody you don't even know? And I was like, that's exactly what's gonna happen to your goddaughter. And she's gonna be angry that you've made her come anyway. She's not trying to listen 
just because I'm in a room and you're speaking doesn't mean I'm listening to you. It doesn't mean I'm taking it in. It doesn't mean that, you know, I, I care about any of, of it. And, you know, he seemed to be convinced that just by hearing the word of God, that the Holy Spirit would manifest inside her. And I'm like, no, it's a choice that you have to make. You have to choose to let the Holy Spirit in. And as long as you're choosing to reject it, then you will keep rejecting it. That's why in certain instances, you know, like the Pharaoh's heart was hardened. In certain instances, people's hearts are hardened and other people's hearts are melted. And you trying to force the situation because you want to see this certain, you know, act or this certain change it doesn't help. And I get it. They mean well. These parents mean well. He means well. I want to save this person. I want this person to know the love of God. But the thing is, just show them the love of God. That The love of God is supposed to exist within us. We are God's hands and feet on earth. It is not about me beating you over the head with a Bible and beating some scriptures into you and forcing you to recite these scriptures because I think that that's going to create a relationship it's just me being loving to you all of the things that christ said we've been talking about the fruit of the spirit showing those fruits of the spirit me loving you me being patient with you me having joy every time you see me me being at peace me having self-control me um having faith and and being good and gentle all of these things when i express them to you you start to see the true God. And when you have interactions with God, then you can see it. And then you're more open. Then you start asking me questions. Well, why do you do this? Why do you believe this? How come you don't get mad at me when I, when I do this? How come you stay here? How come you, you just let that go and you just, you know, you keep going. You don't give up on me. Why don't you give up on me? That's when you can start saying, you know, well, God said blah, 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 blah. And then you start sharing your faith and you start showing them what true worship looks like. Then they have opened their heart to that possibility. Then they can meet God because then they have allowed a space for the Holy Spirit to enter. I think what people forget is that even though, yes, we have a responsibility to bring people to Christ and to share the good news. At no point in the Bible is this a forced situation. We see that one, God created us with the option and the ability to have free will from the get-go. He did not have to put the tree of knowledge in the garden. That didn't have to happen. He could have created the garden of Eden with, with only the tree of life and never said, don't eat from this tree because the tree didn't exist. And then Adam and Eve would have never had any chance to disobey God. There was, there was no chance. You had to follow him. And what would that have been? Like, I mean, obviously we would still be in the Garden of Eden, but we wouldn't know anything else. We would not have the, we would not be choosing God. I mean, imagine, imagine being married to somebody and they're married to you because they have absolutely no other option. They didn't choose to marry you. They don't actually love you. There's just, there's no one else. Like, they don't have no other options. And so they're with you by default. That's not what God wants. God wants us to choose him. 
just like we want people to choose us like i want you to choose of your own free will to be friends with me or to love me or you know to be nice to me or whatever i don't want you to do it because somebody told you you had to or because somebody paid you to do it or whatever and so this is the same concept that god instituted by simply giving us free will so then you see this directly when jesus comes and does his ministry every time that christ preaches he just picks a spot and starts to preach he's not going up to random people and being like you have to be here you have to listen to me if you don't listen to me you're gonna die which is true but that's not how he went about it he just went and he started presenting the information and those who came came and those who didn't he didn't really worry about there is a verse in the in the new testament i will have to find it and i will list it in the show notes but it talks about this concept of of going out and spreading the gospel and um i think it's christ speaking to the disciples but i'm not positive again i will put all of this information in the show notes Um, But basically, the sentiment is that when people go out to make disciples, they were to go to a particular place and um, just start to preach. And if the people of that town or that village chose to accept it and chose to engage, then they were supposed to stay and help engage the people and help answer questions and preach more, et cetera, et cetera. However, if the people rejected it, they were supposed to leave and go to the next town. And it's the same concept. If I approach you, whether you're my child, whether you're my friend, whether you're a complete stranger, if if you don't want to hear the gospel, it is not for me to force the gospel down your throat. That causes way more damage than anything else because forced love is not love. It's rape. And the psychological ramifications for that are tremendous. Like I said, most of the people I know who were forced to go to church, who were forced to be baptized and all of these things, they're not believers anymore. It turned them further and further away from God, whether it was just out of spite or whether it was the experiences they had with the people who claim to be followers of Christ and you know they're seeing this and they're like I don't want anything to do with that can you imagine getting to heaven and and or well trying to get to heaven and Jesus is like yo you know you 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 know you was a believer and all but the way he treated people and the way you did things to people you actually forced people away from me You are the reason why all of these people over here are not believers. That's a that would be a horrific thing. I don't want I don't want Jesus saying that to me. I'm sure you don't want him saying that to you. And it would be even worse to be one of the people on the other side to realize that their entire life they've been seeing God in this light over here because of you. But God was something totally different and they completely missed out on it because they were so caught up on what you did to them or what you said to them or what you tried to get them to do. So, you know, it, it's something that really, really irks me because there's two sides of it. I mean, obviously, 
we as people have to be able to check ourselves against self-control, um, faith, you know, patience, all of these things. We have to be able to look at ourselves and be like, I'm just being stubborn. I need to not worry about what this person is saying to me and do what is the right thing and what is best for me. And, um, you know, that's a hard thing to do. But it's even harder when you're a child because you don't necessarily have that level of rational thinking. Um, But then again, we also have to be mindful not to put people in those situations. One more story before we uh, end the podcast that I think will help clarify what I mean. When I was growing up, um, I grew up in a household where both of my grandparents um, on one side were musicians or are musicians depending on how you want to look at it um and they are you know there's a history on that side of my family of people kind of just telling people what to do and not necessarily letting them explore what they would like to do so i started playing the piano at three or four i don't know to this day i don't know if i chose to play the piano or if they made me play the piano but i played the piano And when I got to middle school, my parents decided that I was going to be in band or orchestra. But I didn't want to be in band or orchestra. And you don't have to be in a music thing um, in middle school. You can take art. You can take writing. You can take newspaper. Like There are lots of other extracurricular activities that you can participate in. But my parents were convinced that I had to do band or orchestra. And so I ended up in band playing the flute and I was livid. I didn't want to do that. You are making me do something I don't want to do. All my friends were in chorus. I wanted to be in chorus. No, I can't sing, but that was irrelevant at the time. And so I got angry and I decided I wasn't going to play the piano. If you're going to make me play the flute, I'm not going to play the piano. So I would skip my lessons so my grandmother was the one who taught me to play the piano and so on a certain day of the week she would pick me up from school to do the lessons after after school i would get on the bus and go to my other grandmother's house i was like i refuse and you know we went through this whole thing and you know i knew that in order to sell it i couldn't play the piano so the piano at my house i wouldn't touch it i wouldn't touch the piano at church i was like i refuse to play the piano And it was like, in my mind, it was a stance, like I have the right to make my own decision and I'm choosing not to do this because you're trying to make me do things that I don't want to do. And, you know, I would not touch a piano for pretty much the duration of my teen years. I did not touch a piano again until I was like 19. And by that time, my grandmother had passed away and um, they couldn't make me take lessons. And so I spent the better part of my life not playing the piano. But now that I'm 30, 31, you know, I'm like, I should be a phenomenal piano player. I literally started playing the piano when I was like three. I have base, I would have basically, you know, three decades of playing the piano and I would be able I would be a great musician, but I chose not to do that. And now, by the time I was like, oh, yeah, you know, like, I'll go back to playing the piano. Um, you know, it was it was too late. I was already out of the house. I didn't have access to a piano all the time. I didn't have the time to sit around and practice like I did in high school. 
and I actually like the piano. There, I don't have anything against the piano. And that didn't hurt anybody but me. It didn't hurt my grandmother. I mean, I'm sure she was upset and she was mad because I wouldn't do what she wanted me to do. But she was able to play the piano. It didn't take anything from her. She still had other students that came. It's not like I was a paying customer, so it's not like she lost money. It didn't hurt my mom. It didn't hurt my dad. It just hurt me. Now I'm 31 and I play the piano like an 11-year-old, even though I should be playing it like a 31-year-old. And so, you know, this is the same thing that happens with religion. This is the same thing that happens with God. When people try to force it down your throat, people take this irrational position that they are not going to do it because you're trying to make them. And in the end, it doesn't hurt the person that's doing the forcing. It hurts that person. And we don't want to be backing people into that corner that allows them to hurt themselves because we're doing more damage than we are good. And that's the thing that I want us to think about as we approach people, whether it's your children whether it's your family members, whether it is your friends, whether it is, you know, your, your co-worker, I don't care, some stranger on the highway. Remember, you cannot force someone to love God. All you can do is show the love of God to somebody and let them choose to accept it or reject it. Thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you will tune in again next week. Don't forget the show notes will be on the blog www.psalmstoguide.com slash forced love to get to this specific episode. Um, As always, if you're not a subscriber, don't forget to subscribe so you can get content. We release episodes every Monday, um, sometimes bonus episodes throughout the week. And uh, thank you for tuning in. I'll see you guys next time.